Yo, it's your man Chris Mallon, and you're listening to Heart of the Game. We're back with Brendan Riley in episode two, as Brendan continues to take us through the world of sports and technology. So I think, you know, when, when it came to positioning, especially when we, we transition into some B2C type products, the transition there enabled us to coincide big press releases and big press, you know, media launches and, and, you know, campaigns and me going out to media tours, I guess is a more appropriate word with, Hey, by the way, we just launched this product with Jason Giambi or just, you know, we just launched this product with so-and-so, you know, look what you can do. Um, the technology was really in its infancy, like painfully in its infancy at the time we were a little ahead of our time, but, um, definitely learned kind of how to, um, you know, leverage that, that media exposure to then, um, you know, see success, um, from a company standpoint. And that's where you really want to be though. You want to be the pioneer on, on one of these experiences because, uh, creating and being one of the guys that's helping to develop new sports training systems through virtual reality, through uh, augmented reality. Uh, that's pretty cool, man. Uh, yeah. Kudos to you to, to, to help bring that into the, the forefront. So, you know, you've done that. Now, where does sports development go? Where, is there anything that you can give us, you know, for the future of sports development that is on the horizon? What's next? So I'm a little biased um, for the work that I'm doing now. Uh, so right now I'm me and, uh, two other partners founded a, it's really a, um, artificial intelligence, uh, company that focuses on human behavior and, and decoding human behavior to understand the why behind the behavior. And as part of that, like if I, I won't spend a lot of time on it, but as part of that, like you have artificial intelligence and then the subdomain is machine learning and then a, a sub subdomain is, is what's called deep learning. It's like neural networks. And I'm really bullish on the impact that neural networks can have on all things, all things. <laughs> um, we're using it in like marketing and market research to help um, big brands, at, you know, big CPG brands and, and, um, and tech, you know, financial industry and insurance. We help them understand how best to communicate and, and um, create products that people love and then marketing that motivates but the the uh, when I think of its cross applications into the sports world, it's you know whether it's player health, whether it's selling tickets, whether it's um, even like uh, who to draft and and you know understanding like kind of like the next level of Moneyball. I'm really bullish that artificial like artificial neural networks or deep learning. Um, is going to enhance every aspect down to the concessions you receive and the type of experience you get at the stadium. All of that is going to be enhanced over the next five years with, with deep learning. Um, and there's, there's some things we're actually working on uh, that we're starting to, um, starting to kind of venture into the sports industry. We actually started Lelix Prime. So right now we work with like uh, – a handful of uh, fortune 500 brands and we work with their market research or their marketing um, departments. And, but we didn't start there. We actually started in the sports industry and we went to the same contacts that I had across, you know, various parts of the sports world um, to, to show them like, 
hey, you can use this technology to understand that if you're going to, let's say, draft this player, um, propensity to get injury, you know, all the like, think of the player as, you know, an asset, like, is this a good investment for us? Is this something that, you know, we'll, we'll you know, uh, get a risk reward. And we were, we were kind of like having those conversations and they ultimately went nowhere because we wound up making a lot more money working directly with brands. So we kind of just like put that on the back burner, but that's still something that we, we may like come back to uh, another interesting area in the sports industry that we've just now started to play with. Um, we have some developers creating um, basically um, deep learning um, models to understand uh, outcomes of sports games before they happen. And so we just now oh, are starting the to Vegas see- Vegas betters are gonna love you for that one, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. Early tests, you know, in, in, in sports betting, it's like if you can get it right 53 percent of the time you're like yeah you know the best in the world are like 55 percent of the time and we're we've like sky with our models we've skyrocketed past that so we're like we're you know um that's an area that i think is really interesting um and we're playing in it right now it's not our like core business but like it's something that um it shows the power of the technology and and the methodology that we use to understand humans and and um language and then apply that understanding to the world of deep learning you can get to some amazing predictive um states that will in the sports industry it's going to affect everything and and not in a bad way not like machines are taking over the Mm -hmm. world like in a really good way it's like it's going to make life in all the like sub verticals of the sports industry a lot easier a lot more efficient it's it's um you know, yeah, it's, that, it's going to be pretty cool. That, so to me, I'm, I'm trying to understand this because it, it sounds pretty damn cool. And I'm thinking of it, you know, because I, I work in marketing. And um, one of the things that we always have challenges with, and when, even when I worked in sports marketing, is that everybody thinks they know their audience, right? But everybody doesn't understand how their audience is going to respond to certain changes within the environment. Uh, even, even little things such as changes to your concession stand or, you know, um, for me, I work in, in, for an ad agency now uh, for, for environmental changes in Miami or Atlanta uh, yep. and, and how customers might respond uh, to your messaging um, because w- the terminology that I always learned in school is the black box, right? You have a message that you want to put out there and you hope that the person that receives your message receives it in the same way that you put it out there. Uh, yep. but somewhere along the line, things can get lost in translation. So is, would this kind of, you know, help to make it a little easier, you know, for marketing wise, if, if somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That, you just described. So like, you know, let's say, you know, whether it's marketing, be an ad agency or you're at the, you're in Miami. So you're the Miami Dolphins director of marketing. Like. Th- what you communicate to the world and how you're, you know, in the world, your target audiences, how those, those groups or the segments or persona, how they perceive that communication is, isn't always one-to-one. And you don't know that we, we call it the pragmatic gap. Is there a gap in that communication? And we need to make sure that the people we're trying to, you know, 
bring in as customers that we're communicating in the, in a way that emotionally connects with them. And so what we do is we look at, you know, you need to understand the individual. So you need to understand the different individuals that you're selling to. And we model all the, that those individuals out. Um, and, and then you need to understand, you know, what matters to those individuals. And we go through a, a methodology that allows us to basically simulate and model out like through behavioral modeling, how, how is your marketing aligning with, you know, the people you're trying to, and if it's not aligning, what do you need to do and why is it not aligning? And what do you need to do to like make it better so that you are up, you know, motivating the people in the way that, that you want them to. Mm -hmm. And the same thing goes for like product. And I think, you know, it's in CPG world, it's kind of a no brainer. It's like, Hey, we're going to launch this new, you know, uh, water bottle next year. We got to make sure this water bottle is kick ass because we want everyone to buy this water bottle. And yeah. so they have to do a lot of research on like, what are people, what do they care about? What do they want? Is it, do they want EPA friendly? Do they want, uh, or There's I guess a lot it's that called, goes of it. Yeah. Yeah. BPA, BPA, BPA not EPA. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, I know what you meant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, we, we play in both worlds, product innovation and marketing. Um, but really at the, at the core is, is like helping people more intelligently understand their customer and then being able to like through, we actually used a lot of science and, and deep learning, be confident in the decisions that you're making validated by, you know, math and science, what's better than math and science. And so, um, that's, I think in the sports industry, there are so many areas that are going to be innovated on or innovated in whether it's ticket sales, whether it's um, concessions, um, supply chain, I mean, you name it, there's, there's a lot of opportunity for this technology to, to, to have impact on the sports industry. Um, and we, there's, there's a couple of things we got our eye on that, you know, I, I, I love sports. So it's, it's an industry I know and, and uh, would love to, you know, get back into in, in some capacity. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I, I don't work in sports anymore. I work for an ad agency. I, I love what I do. Uh, so if my boss is listening to this right now, Liz, Liz, you're fantastic. I, I, I love my job. Uh, but no, there, there are times I feel you where I, I do miss working in sports. Before I left to do this, I was working in the NBA and it was such a cool experience for me. I just had, uh, I just got to a point where I was like, okay, what's next? Now it's time to like move on and, and do something different. And I, I know that you've done that throughout your career. You know, obviously, you know, you and I knew each other in grad school and and people move on and they do other things and i was looking up at your resume on linkedin and you've done a lot of different things um one of them you're a mindspring sport inc and you were a consultant there and yeah before we started recording uh you were sharing with me about uh the pacemaker that you have um and that really unique sad but also kind of cool, uh, almost divine intervention story that you shared. I too have a hard problem. So I was very interested in your story. Would yeah, you sure. mind sharing that story? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, after we had exited Eon sports, you kind of wake up one day and you're like, now what do I do? Um, and I had a, a really good friend, um, this guy named Craig and Craig ran, um, this consultancy called mind spring sport. 
and um, brought me in as a consultant on a handful of projects throughout Europe and America. It was uh, really enjoyed that experience. It, it was um, fun. But one of them was this um, heart monitor from Sweden, and they were they were breaking into the sports market here in America. And um, like my job as part of that was to introduce them to the NFL and the NBA and, and um, MLB and, you know, all the sports leagues here. And it, for those that don't know, like, you know, those players, they get tested, but there's mm-hmm. a really, really, especially African-Americans, um, yeah. there's a really high level of like heart issues um, yeah. with, with athletes that are African-American. Yeah, the, the guy from Louisville, uh, probably like six, seven years ago, who was a basketball player, was expected to be a first-round pick, goes into the NBA draft, yeah. and they found, oh, my God, you, you got a heart problem. You can't play basketball. Uh, I always thought that was mm-hmm. really, you know, it ended up saving his life ultimately. Um, okay, yeah, yeah sorry, I interrupt you. Because, and I, I don't know, like, I don't know the medical reason why, it, you know, if it's an enlarged heart or what, but right. so there's a lot of testing that has to go in, but then you get into, like, high school, you get into, like, lower levels and they, they don't test like they, sh- they probably should. And, and unfortunately a lot of people, you know, do die and, and they could be prevented. And so it, we, we kind of, we got this heart monitor and it was to, to replace the really expensive EKGs, a 12 lead EKG. And it was kind of like the first, think of it as the first line of the fence that you put the monitor. It's like, it's kind of looks like an Apple iWatch that you, in the same size and you put it on your chest. It would tell you, Oh, your, your heart's great. You know, come back another day. Um, and so we got them shipped from Sweden and I'm, I'm, I'm doing the, the, uh, the reading and I've never had a problem with my heart. Like I've never like from a doctor or anything. I, 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 you know, I would always get a little lightheaded sometimes, but I just thought I was like fat and out of shape. Um, or I would like throw up after working out and I'm like, God, why am I the only one doing that? You know, (laughs) but I never like thought it was a heart problem. And so, long story short, I'm testing this thing because I have to send it off to, it was like the team doctor at the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I had to send it off to him and, and a couple other team doctors throughout the, the country. And I, I kept getting the red flag. And I was like, this stupid thing, like this can't be real because nothing's wrong with me. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I would test it. And my wife was finally like, you just go see a doctor. Cause it, every day you test it 40 times a day and you're just like, like, just go see a doctor. So I finally went and the doctor was kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You're young and you're in shape. It doesn't, you don't really fit the bill for like heart problems. And, um, they did, I did a halter monitor, which is like, you wear this like bomb. It, it's like a, you strapped a bomb to your chest. Oh, yeah. It's like so this big machine. Yeah. 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 I, so and, the audience does not I have a hard problem too. So I can relate to what Brendan's saying, right? It's just, this thing sucks. Yeah. So continue. So uh, I did it and they, they, they actually caught that night. They caught a seven second pause, which is, you know, that's grounds for implanting a pacemaker and, and kind of like um, a little bit of a, a, a very serious red flag. And um, the guy called me, I was actually going to go grab whiskey with a buddy. And he was like, um, if you were in your sixties, I'd put in a pacemaker tomorrow. And I was like, Whoa, that's not yeah. what I was expecting you to call and tell me. Yeah. That's um, scary. And then six months later, I, I kind of, I was, uh, I had a, what's called a cardiac arrest where my, my, my heart just stopped beating. And, um, 
uh, I was actually at, at my church and, um, luckily there was like cops and, and, you know, people on scene to, to call the ambulance and everything. And they stuck a pacemaker into me that next day. So it's like, did, did you they know, have to use a defibrillator on you when you were, no, when no, no, thank, thank God. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people that ha- do have to go that deep with it, but, uh, I, I didn't have to, um, I, you know, luckily I kind of came back too. Um, it was very scary. I, I, you know, I, I saw the pearly gates. I had to talk with God and everything and, uh, it just wasn't my time yet. So I had more technology to play with. So, (laughs) um, so yeah, it, 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 you know, when you think about it, it, it's pretty wild. Like I was given that red flag and I, I was aware enough to know that, uh, to find like the cop when it, when I was, when the thing was happening, um, and they were able to get responders there fast and get me hooked up to IVs and stuff. Um, and I probably wouldn't, well, not probably, I never would have known if I didn't work for that consultancy. So Craig, every time I see Craig, he's very quick to remind me that he saved my life. Um, (laughs) so it um, is pretty amazing, man. It's some like divine intervention that one of those things you look back at years down the road and you wonder, man, if I had never been a consultant there, would I have known what I had known? to act in that way in that situation to search for the cop and, and, and get the help that I needed. Yeah. It's it's a good question. It's kind of funny how things work out sometimes like that. Yeah. um, It it absolutely is. And I I will say from that experience more so than anything, um, you, I, I mean, every meal I eat, every time I go for a run, and I look at the clouds or the trees, I'm like, yeah, you appreciate it. This is amazing. Like yeah. this every single day. And so anytime my wife's going to get mad at me for saying this, but anytime she's like complaining about something, I'm like, you know what? You just, you need a heart attack. Like that's what you need. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll put it in perspective. And she's like, you always say that. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to try saying uh, that to my wife. I'm going to see how she reacts. To that. <laughs> the, the, the flip side of that is you could be getting a heart attack by saying it. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, okay. So uh, that is an amazing story, Brendan. Really appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, I guess, you know, I, I had a, a list of questions here to ask you and I'll just rattle a few of these off before we close off this episode. It's, it's been a great interview so far. Um, what is, what's one of your coolest experiences? If you had to pick like a top number one of working in sports, what's the one that really stands out for you? Wow. Coolest experiences. You know, this goes back to my water pouring days. Um, I, I got to do a lot with Eon Sports. Um, got to travel Europe, you know, meet all the football or soccer teams over there. I got to meet every NFL, MLB, NBA, I got to meet everyone um, and the who's who. But honestly, I think it in sports um, as either a, a player or, or uh, you know, a coach or, or involved in it otherwise was 2008. We were uh, we won the national championship and I was a I was a manager which was like, that's fancy for saying like I poured water bottles, you know, water <laughs> in the water bottles. Um, but I think that was like, that was a pretty at, unbelievable at Kansas, experience. Right? So at, at, at Kansas. Yep. Yeah. University of Kansas. 
And I think that was like, um, still when like, you know, uh, I wasn't jaded, if you will. And every, like that experience was like, oh my gosh, this is so yeah. cool. And yeah. we had won in a really, you know, Mario Chalmers hit the shot and there was like a really dramatic win. And it was just like, this is so fun to be a part of. So yeah. I'd say, I think, you know, later on in my career, I think you just kind of become jaded by, oh, I'm going to Kurt Warner's house. Like, oh, big deal. But like, that was like, I was still young and I was still like kind of op really open-eyed that like, yeah. like, whoa, that is awesome. Yeah. Oh, that is pretty cool. It, and I agree. You do get a little desensitized over time. Yeah. Um, and and there, there were some NBA personalities for me that I, I used to talk to my friends about like, oh yeah, I got to go to this. I got to go to this Dr. J event tomorrow. Nah, I don't really want to go. <laughs> and they're like, dude, you, Julie Servin? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah Dr. J. Yeah. Whoa, I, I want to go to that, you know? So, but yeah, you're right. You get a little desensitized to it, but, um, it, and it, it is funny the things that stand out. Now that's a pretty cool experience. You won, you were there when they won the national title. That's pretty awesome. Um, so that's a, that's a great one. That's a great number one. I do. I do have one. I'll, I'll tell you one story about that. I know you're wrapping up here. Um, but it was halftime of that game. And, and like my job was like, I don't know, like pick up the extra shooting shirts or something at, you know, after halftime. So I, I had to let everyone leave the, leave the locker room. And, um, I can't remember, I think we were up like, like four or five points or something, or maybe we we're down. Um, and that year I had only missed three games. So the managers don't travel to every game. We, we would take turns and I, the, the games that I didn't go to, we lost. And so <laughs> self, it was just me and coach self in the locker room. And it, it's kind of like during a game, you don't want to like, really like, you know, talk coach Self's really approachable. He's a great guy, but you don't want to like, you know, I'm a manager. You don't really, nothing I'm going to say yeah. that's going to yeah, like you, change right. his outlook on the right. game. You, you know, you know, your place in that situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm like 19, you know, and I said something and it, it kind of like caught coach self off guard. And, um, I go, I go coach. It, I was, it was just him. Everyone else had left and he was kind of like pacing back and forth. And I was like, coach, this is, we've got this in the bag. And he goes, Oh yeah. Why is that? And I was like, because we've only lost three games and I haven't been there for <laughs> three games. And I was just trying to like, kind of, I don't know, play yeah, like a little him. bit. And he yeah. looks at me, he, and he, he can like do this better than anyone on earth. He like looked into my soul and he goes, that makes me feel real freaking good, Brendan, real good. <laughs> and just walked out. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, well, all right. Uh, I'll keep my mouth shut from now on. But <laughs> he, he's kind of like that. He has this like, dry sense of humor that he's, he, he's good at delivering. He, he wasn't mad at me or anything, but it was, yeah, I just, well, that like is implanted in my mind. I could feel the hurt from the way that you described. <laughs> I could feel the hurt of Coach Self's eyes looking into my soul when you said that, man. That sounds, yeah. That, that's one you can laugh at now, but looking back at you're like, oh, shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> Why did I ever say that? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, man. So my last question for you. Uh, we're both fathers. And as an entrepreneur, as a sports entrepreneur, I know there's a lot of challenges with being a husband and a father at the same time. 
Uh, could you take us through some of the, the challenges? You know, obviously you, you got a great wife, you got a loving wife, you know, it, it, what do you, what do you think of like, how, how do you do it? So it is, someone told me this a long time ago. They're like, you, if you know, whatever career you're, you know, uh, going to choose, make sure you choose the spouse for it. And I, I guess, you know, you fall in love, you just get married. You don't, I, I was, I didn't really think about that, but um, I lucked out that, yeah, I do have a, a, an amazing wife that is like, understands that, you know, I travel a lot and, and usually a lot of it's not planned and that's, you know, that's tough on a mom of now two kids. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there are times I'll travel and I'll get home and <laughs> she'll look at me and go, you're never doing a five day travel day, you know, travel trip ever again. <laughs> so yeah, you learn tough. to you learn to balance, you know, balance it. I think, you know, um, I work kind of, you're never turned off. I think that that's always, I really love what I do. So I never think of it as work, but at the same time, I'm never turned off. Like even when I'm like, you know, lying in bed at night, I'm thinking of ways to, to propel our business. And, and you just, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you just kind of like either evolve into that mindset or you're just hardwired that way. And I think, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, when it's, when it's just you and your wife, it's, that's, it's kind of easy to, to make anything work, but then you introduce kids and <laughs> it oh, yeah. makes it a little more interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so I think what the kids have actually taught me is to like every now and then like slow down and just like take, you know, just mental snapshots of just how amazing it is to watch them become humans and, yeah. and kind of learn the game of life. Cause like, you know, it, at the end of the day, like it doesn't, no matter how much money you have or whatever you do, it, it like really doesn't matter. It's a lot easier to do life if you have a lot of money, yeah. but it's like, it, so I, you know, for me, I'd say the whole process is like, I'm hardwired. I'm the type of person that like, I don't turn off. Like literally I'm, I have a newborn right now. He's four weeks old and I am taking classes at MIT and Stanford on deep learning at 3am when it's my turn oh my to feed God. him. Jeez. I'm that, I'm like that. I've got that. I've wow. got a problem, you know? So, yeah. ha, but, but having the kid kids, um, like balances out my, you know, insane drive. And it like is it, uh, kind of rebalances what, what really matters, you know, in life. And so, um, I'd, I'd say, I don't know if it's, you know, how you do it. I think it's also important to love what you're doing. And, yeah, and that, that like yeah. is a, a big thing that like, you know, if you love what you're doing, then you're going to be happy. And if you're happy, you're going to be a good father. And so, if I was just at a job I hated and I'm just, you know, always dreaming of, you know, doing something that I'm not doing. And I don't know. I just, to me, life's too short. Like go be happy with what you're doing. Even if it's painting houses, like whatever, just like be happy in what you're doing. And the, the byproduct of where you spend the bulk of your time, which is working, um, the byproduct of that is the other areas of your life and the people you interact with who the, the next bulk of your time is your family. Like it'll be an enjoyable, you know, you'll be happy and you'll be a good father and a good husband. So that would be my two cents, you know, as it relates to, I, I don't pretend it's easy because um, 
you know, with the travel, it kind of gets a little, oh, yeah. little, yeah. and, but, um, well, but yeah, it's, well, man, look, it's, we've come a long way since Illinois state, uh, <laughs> pub too. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Oh man. Yeah. That, the cheese balls there. I'll never forget yeah. to tell my wife about those the other day. Um, I, yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Deep DP dough at three in the morning. Um, yeah, yeah man. <laughs> um, listen, such a great interview. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I'm sure the, the listeners are, are really going to love hearing your unique experience because uh, it's not every day you get to talk to a sports entrepreneur. Uh, so thank you so much for, for being part of the show today. Right on. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, go, uh, go put your baby to bed and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. That concludes our incredible episode with Brendan Riley. If you got someone you want us to interview for sports, hit us up at Heart of the Game Podcast on Instagram. And be sure to click that subscribe button to check out all of the new Heart of the Game episodes as soon as they are released.